Hey, Lance. Hey, Steve. Uh, I just wanted to let you know that I, I really hate that new theme song with that whiny guy in the piano. So you, you got to get rid of it. Uh, all right. I love you. Oh, yeah. My favorite podcast is the Sick and Wrong Podcast because it's a very good stories and the fans vote which is the sickest of the week and then they do phone calls and emails it's a funny 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 show sick and wrong podcast is a wonderful podcast it's a Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. I'm your host, E. Simon. I'm Lance Wackerly. What's up there, Wacker? Oh, what's up? I don't know. Survived, uh, did you survive St. Patrick's Day? Uh, Patrick's Day? You know, uh, my my girlfriend dyed her hair green. Did you see the pictures of that? Nope. So this is like a week before St. Patrick's Day. She dyed her hair green. Not, had nothing to do about nothing to do with the holiday. She wasn't doing this in preparation for St. Patrick's Day festivities. She was just doing this to change her hair some wild color. Um, she's trying to pretend she's the She-Hulk. Does she She-Hulk has purple hair, right? No, green she's have dark green, green hair. I think dark yeah. green hair. Her suit. I think she's trying to get dark green hair. And uh, you know, she asked me about it. She was like, "Well, what do you think of uh, green hair?" I was like, "Yeah, I don't like it." She didn't care. Hmm. She's like, "Well, whatever." I don't really give a shit. <laughs> you know what I forgot to do is I forgot to get a shamrock shake. I know. I, I neglected to do that too. Mm. I, I said to her, I was like, what if I get pink hair? She's like, well, then you'll just look gay. I was like, I guess she's got a point there. <laughs> oh, what yeah. if you get pink hair? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I wanted to, I was like, well, you know, if we go out on Tuesday night, St. Patrick's Day, everyone's going to think you are like the biggest fan of the Irish. <laughs> yeah. She's got her kiss me, I'm Irish shirt. <laughs> and a bunch of bead necklaces. You're, you're going to be like right. the, uh, the the toast of St. Patrick's Day. Shamrock-shaped um, sunglasses. She said uh, she's never celebrated that holiday, even though she's Irish. Is she trying to keep it in check? I don't know. <laughs> she I doesn't want to go down that slippery slope of just becoming a super lush. Who hasn't went out? I, I don't go out <laughs> drinking on St. Patrick's Day because it's kind of a night for amateurs. And I also just don't care. It's just, I know it's going to be annoying. But I mean, it, 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 there's been times where I have gone out drinking for St. Patrick's Day. I mean, I have in my younger Your years. Your 20s, yeah. Yeah, my 20s. I don't know how she's avoided it. Uh, well, she's just not a big drinker, right? Yeah, she's not a big drinker. And I mean, do you believe her? Never. I asked <laughs> like her. Like she never went out and had like one green beer I asked her, with I like, anybody. Have you ever went out and had Irish car bomb? She's like, no. Well, what is that? And I was like, I can't believe you. So that's why I was I like, you know, I'm going to have to yeah. take her out on St. Patrick's Day and, uh, you know, show people her green hair, make a drink Irish car bomb. But in the end, um, just got high and watched that show Jinx. Mm-hmm. 
Have you seen that? Uh, I watched the first two episodes, so don't ruin it for me. No spoilers here, Lance Wackerly. Um, I've only seen I've only seen three episodes so far, and it's only There's six. six. There's only six. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. an HBO miniseries about the nation's boogeyman right now, Robert Durst. He's a boogeyman. Uh, he's like the son of a real estate billionaire, I think, or tycoon. Maybe I'm not sure. It's um, a real estate billionaire from New York City. Um, the Durst family, they own like, I don't know, 12 skyscrapers. Well, they did back in the eighties. Yeah, but the, I mean, the family's worth billions of dollars, but they, but this guy's the eccentric son who decided not to go into the family business and instead just go murder a bunch of people and get away with it. Right. Up until now. Well, he was never convicted, right? Well, he well was yeah, not, I guess that, that's what getting away with it implies. Right? Yeah, he was never convicted of any <laughs> of these murders he's being a accused slow. of. And uh, the, the first one was like the, the mysterious disappearance of his wife. They've never found her body. Um, they always suspected him. And then uh, his neighbor in Galveston, Texas, uh, where he had been living under, under, under a different identity, they found his neighbor dismembered in bags. Like yeah, it was golf. like a... He was like a cross-dresser or something? Yeah. It was, it was something... Oh, actually, did, didn't uh, Durst use some was kind Durst of... Durst cross-dressing. Yeah, no, Durst was using the identity of a woman. Yeah. I don't know. It's confusing. It's entertaining, but it's also confusing. It's and bit, I wasn't even fucked up when follow. I was watching it. Well, but I, it's almost... They make a point of it being hard to follow because I think they want to put you in the... Uh, the shoes of the detectives who are like, what the fuck is going on? You know? And you're kind of like piecing it together as they do. Which the uh, documentarian, uh, Andrew Jarecki, does a fine job of doing that. You know I mean? It's, it's, yeah. it's, a, gr- it's a great documentary. I totally, I, I completely recommend it to everybody out there. And I, I don't want to like, ruin it. You know it. what I don't like is the credits, the opening credits. With, with, with that song? They seem a little bit It's too flashy. It's overwrought. Too- well, it, it, but yeah, it's like Trying it's overwrought. It reminds me of something that should be like uh, some '80s crime drama. Well, no, it looks, just like, it, it looks just like the opening credits to uh, True Detective. Or what about that song? It's like some kind of alt rock song, right? You know, I I I, I would prefer something like kind of like the uh, you know the jazz. Uh, syncopated rhythm of uh, Seinfeld. Seinfeld I would intro. Like, I would like the uh, opening of Law and Order. I wouldn't mind just the Fall Guy theme song. That's a good one. Remember Rockford that? Files. Yeah, I think I think that would work. But no, this is just this really modern kind of alt rock sound over. Yeah, that that uh, that that kind of flashy intro that does multimedia does, presentation. It's like a barrage of images, but all stylized. I mean, and it, it goes on forever. It lasts like three full minutes or something. That's what I love about Better Call Saul. That intro is what thirty seconds. Yeah, Better Call Saul's rocking my house. Also, it's great. No, it's a, it's a great show. Uh, I recommend that too. But Robert Durst, what a fucking weirdo! What a fucking weirdo! Another one of these bizarre, eccentric rich people like the the children of rich people dupont from like the movie Fox Catcher, Catcher. Yeah. that guy fucking seems to be weirdo. of the same mold what, what's the deal here i mean you 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 grow up surrounded by money you've That's never had you've never had to work you're in a bubble 
you're in a bubble. And I just don't think you have a, I don't think you have a conception of humanity. I don't you have a conception of what regular life is, what regular existence is, the hardships, the struggles. You yeah, well, you know, you know what else just happened? That uh, Hilton kid, did you hear that story about oh, how he was plane. on the airplane freaking out and calling people his servants or whatever? Smoking. He was smoking. smoking. The, yeah, smoking joints, actually. Smoking joints and cigarettes in the bathroom and freaking out, and they had to, like, handcuff him. Well, he called uh, his fellow travelers peasants. Peasants, like, yeah. Like, you are peasants to me. They should have been like, you know what happened to... Uh, the landowners when there's a peasant revolt if you want to you know back in the time when that was a term that had meaning 1600s they should have fucking torn him limb from limb you do know why he got like a five thousand dollar fine yeah of course that's it (laughs) and he i think he's on probation for a year actually i didn't hear the end of that because they were saying that he could potentially go to prison for like two years or something that you would if you did yeah right i just i never heard the the final outcome what's his name conrad hilton or something (laughs) <laughs> is it I don't it's, know. it's something it's some rich person name like yeah, that, but rich yeah. person name. But, but they conrad or brent i told you to pick up your lacrosse <laughs> uniform don't just leave it on the chaise lounge no he got uh the lawyers got him off to like uh, he apologized uh and five thousand dollar fine and like a year of probation yeah we're peasants we're but peasants I think, I think robert Durst, no peasant revolts anymore that are meaningful I think Robert Durst had the had that same sentiment, that same opinion of uh, of his position compared to the compared to his prey. So, yeah. what was interesting about this? The reason I'm bringing it up, Jinx is kind of following this these other shows of the similar ilk, such as Serial Podcast, which is just reigniting this interest in uh, in. In older cases, like these cases that have been put on a back burner, unsolved mysteries. And what's, I think what it is. There's another like, good intro song. Oh yeah, that's a good intro, song. intro But these unsolved cases, these unsolved mysteries are suddenly like brought into the, the public awareness. And next thing you know, you got all these internet sleuths and people trying to come to their own assumptions and uh, dissect the case. Look at Serial Podcast. Uh, uh, she was, she brought up the case of Adnan Syed, who... I don't know, that happened like 98. He was uh, accused and convicted of murdering his Korean girlfriend. And he's still in prison, but now he's getting a uh, an appeal. Yeah, and I don't know how that, how, a, how popular media can now, you know, get you another chance at getting off. How it, when, did, when did we get to that point? It influences the hive mind. That's what it is. Because now people are, are looking at him like, well, I'm going to question our judicial process. Because now we can examine this evidence online. Has and the sick and wrong podcast ever influenced the outcome of a trial? I don't think so. No, I, I you know, I think it actually would have a detrimental effect, especially if like <laughs> the lawyers like, and look at this t-shirt he wears and look what he listens to on his iPod player. Oh, you're saying like if a fan committed a crime, I guess I'm thinking more along the lines of one of the stories we covered in our, you know, the insight we brought to the story. <laughs> The jury would be like, well, we never thought of that. I, w- I wonder if they've ever thought of, yeah, I wonder if like the lawyers have ever thought about that. Well, you know, it's been covered in the uh, popular podcast, Sick and Wrong. It's like, don't submit that as evidence. Or if you're a, what if you're a juror and you, they find out you have Sick and Wrong on your pod, your iPod player, would you get kicked off? I imagine Probably. you'd be dismissed. I think they would just be yeah. like, oh, really? What kind of podcast do you listen to? Oh, you listen to NPR. This American Life? Okay, stay here. That's fine. And that guy's like sick and wrong. Get out. Out. Get out. Get out. 
leave the building. If you want to be dismissed from jury duty, you probably just wear the second wrong podcast t-shirt. Yeah, and just I actually don't even think most of our fans would need help being dismissed from a jury. <laughs> <laughs> they probably don't vote, so don't which is how mouth. you get on the jury list, right? So uh, what, what's interesting is that these shows, like this document, you know, this uh, documentary on uh, HBO, Serial Podcast, and uh, the internet in general has just influenced the way that we regard criminality. I mean, you look at the Boston bombing. Uh, what's it, Sarnev? A kid, it's like Sarnayev. As, Sarnayev. As soon as that, uh, as soon as that bombing occurred, you had Reddit just like examining every photograph, trying to figure out, you know, clues as to who the bomber is, and and what exactly. Let's piece this story together. Why are we so interested in this now? Have we always been? No, we live in this age where, you know, how when you're like stupid, people don't know they're stupid. <laughs> it's an extension <laughs> of that. Everybody thinks like. Well, hell, we could just crowdsource this uh, investigation, and we're all we're all better than these. De- we're, we know as much as these detectives do, but clearly they don't. And and one thing they don't know is that you know you can't accuse somebody in the in the public media if you're not sure that they did it. So that whole Reddit thing when they were trying to investigate who did the Boston bombing, they like falsely implicated like at least two or three yeah, people, like several people that then, you know, had their lives, if not ruined, like at least severely disrupted for the period of like, you know, several months. Whereas <laughs> an actual police detective would be like, well, you know, we're going to keep this under wraps till we're extremely sure we know who, who we're chasing after. Or actually was doing a thorough investigation. Rather a than thorough investigation, a, a thorough responsible investigation, yeah. I think part of the thing is, too, it's like now we have, you know, we, we, we're able to access this data, these photographs, a crime scene, you know, information that we never had access to before. No, it gives people the illusion that they know what they're doing. It's the, yeah, it's the illusion of being intelligent. Pretty much what the internet's all about. I mean, that's on the upfront side you're talking about with the Boston bombing. You know, the the investigation when we they didn't know who did it, they were trying to find them. But it's the same thing with the uh, with the uh, serial, serial podcast, podcast exactly. where everybody thinks that like the 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 courts got it wrong, the jury got it wrong. But because I listened to some dumb bitch on a fucking NPR <laughs> podcast, like you know, serialized for entertainment purpose, purposes show. Now I have a better, more valid opinion of why this fucking guy is not guilty and should get a retrial. This, I can't believe they're actually are uh, retrialing him. I, I think it's a, I think it's a travesty. Disparage her as much as you want. It, it worked. It worked. The guy got his appeal. This guy well, was convicted for life in prison for murdering his ex girl or his girl or his Korean girlfriend. Now he gets an appeal. Well, I'll take it even back a level. I mean, disparage her as much as you want. It was a hugely popular successful podcast which is that's all it should have been you know i'm still saying uh we should probably follow that type of uh structure just copy it wrong yeah. okay i'll think i, th- about I think it. we i think we should discuss this off the podcast but uh because that, that seems to be what uh the fans want to hear these days our voices are very irritating but not as irritating as hers <laughs> oh i can do a good sarah koenig oh yeah so adnan was getting out of work like at around seven o'clock, so there's no way he could have been at the park with his trunk and a. That corpse seems in there. racist. <laughs> well, what do you that think? Seems like a racist Jewish caricature. <laughs> Plus, you didn't you didn't have enough. I'm Jewish. Like, How could I be racist doing a Jewish caricature? Well, I don't know, 
But uh, you also didn't add enough um and uh oh, and like the, um, and, and uh, uh yeah. and uh. <laughs> we never do that here at Sick and Rock. <laughs> no, we have excellent uh. elocution. <laughs> so uh, anyway, Robert Durst ignited just the internet's ignited with uh on fire here. It's erupted into this uh this this tornado of curiosity and uh, rumors and and theories circulating around this this guy Robert Durst. Everybody's already, he's the, he's the nation's pariah. Everybody's already condemned this man. But right. the, but it's, it's actually the opposite of the Adnan Syed thing. <laughs> he, he's a Muslim. He was convicted and now everybody wants him to get off. He's a young guy, uh, athletic. Uh, this guy is an old Jewish rich dude. <laughs> and he <laughs> did get off and everybody's like, kill creepy. him, burn him. But you know what though? I got to say that this guy kind of deserves a condemnation. You know, he brought this on himself. Like, he contacted Andrew You're assuming Sarecki. that he murdered these people? <laughs> well, no, I mean, he murdered these people. You don't um, know that. Well, I think he did. But anyway, he whether or not he murdered these people, he got away with it. He could have just gone. Let, let's say, even if, if, keep that as an undetermined thing. If he did or didn't, I know, yeah, I, I agree with where you're going Well, with I'm this. just saying, he could have gone, moved to Nebraska or moved to lived Vermont. a quiet life and, and been like, I got away with that existence. shit. Instead, all his money. he contacts Andrew Jarecki. The uh, director of that movie with Kirsten Dunst about Robert uh, Durst. It's right. called like uh, something good. I forget the name of it. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Know. Good yeah. things, something. Good things come to all who wait or something like that. Something along those lines. Um, <laughs> anyway, we do our research here in Sick and Wrong. But that, but that, that dude contacted, Durst contacted Jarecki, the director, and was like, yeah, I want to, let's do a documentary. I want to talk about my life and talk about the murder. So he brought this media attention on himself. Right. He, he has a, uh, you know. It's a narcissistic un... personality disorder. <laughs> exactly. This guy. He has a need to be loved by everybody, even though it's completely irrational given his situation. But and not to mention, this is a classic, um, it's a classic uh, case of most serial killers. This is like uh, most, most people say serial killers have this uh, type of behavior where they go and, uh, first of all, they glorify in the attention, they taunt the police, and they go revisit crime scenes, which he's already done all that. Like, he went back to the, the, the dock where he and his wife lived at that house. Are they're not, even if he's guilty of what they say is, though, he's not a serial killer, is he? I mean, these are all like... He's like a rage, he's like a rageaholic, uh, you know, repeat uh, passion killer, it seems like. Well, we don't know, because there's so many allegations against the guy right now. So we don't know he, if he, he is a not, serial killer. I guess, because he's not hunting people. I mean, these are all, he's killing people that he's acquainted with, which I don't think fits the description. I haven't the watched the, rest of the show yet. Okay, all right. I'm just splitting hairs, but I, I, you can kill a lot of people, murder a lot of people, and it's not be not be a serial killer because a serial killer is like doing it for the purposes of like he can't stop himself from killing people. I think this guy is that type of psychopath, but we'll see. I mean, you'll yeah. see. I've only watched two, and I think one one of the detectives in in the first two episodes. And I guess I can say I can I can say whatever happens in the first two, and that's not a spoiler by definition, right? It's the first two episodes. One yeah, of the yeah, detectives yeah, yeah. is like, "We're not giving away." The this ending. is a guy you just don't want to back into a corner because that's when he lashes out. If you if he thinks you're infringing upon his freedom 
But he has the behavioral, the classic behavioral trait of a lot of serial he killers, does. where they right, contact police, right. they contact uh, this director to have and invite him to do a documentary on himself. So he invited this attention, this scrutiny. And what happens? He definitely is, thinks he's smarter than ever the general public. And he's a sloppy killer. He's a sloppy murderer. He leaves a lot of clues behind. He's think he thinks he's smarter than he is. But anyway, Thank I mean, the, the, what happened with this scrutiny? Now, uh, you know, on Monday. Uh, Durst was 71 years old, was arrested in New Orleans or Sunday or Saturday night. He was, he was arrested in New Orleans and, uh, yeah, now they're revisiting because this investigation was spurred possibly they say, by new evidence discovered in this, uh, HBO documentary, the jinx. Huh? I wonder if he wants to go back to jail. I think he wants to get caught. I mean, I think he taunts the media. He taunts the authorities. (laughs) Once again, this isn't a spoiler because I think it's in the first episode, but uh, at one point, you know, in the early days of his potential murdering, uh, he like got away. He was on the lamb. He skipped bail. And the way they caught him is because he had like 30 grand in his car, like $500 in his wallet, yeah, but he like stole a, su- he stole a submarine sandwich from a grocery store. <laughs> he stole a hoagie. And they, so have they, him picked on, like- him up, they picked him up on shoplifting a fucking shitty sandwich. You know how they make those sandwiches like the night before and they're all soggy and gross. <laughs> but, but I wouldn't I mean, even the, have bought it. The guy's got $500 in his wallet. Why? He's a weirdo. Like you said, but because maybe he wanted to get caught. He's a weirdo. He's just, he's obscenely wealthy. He's divorced from from normal existence. The, the he's guy, also a strange. He's like he's uh, at odds with his family too, which is weird. Well, you know, I don't want to give a spoiler away here either. But his brother has some issues with him. His uh, younger brother, who took over the business because Durst didn't want to go into the family business, wanted to open up a health store. But his health brother, <laughs> yeah, his brother hired a bodyguard at one point to protect himself from his brother because he thinks his brother's a psychopath. That's right. one, that's one of my favorite psychopath things I've read about is, the guy. Uh, we de- we definitely think he's a psychopath, even if he's not a serial killer. He's obviously a psychopath. I think I think even if he was exonerated from all these murders, I'd still think he was a psychopath just by listening to looking him talk. At him. Yeah, looking at him. But that's another thing too, though. He's so like plaintive and just matter of fact. Like he just well, he has no emotion no, he's, about he's very, it. He's very self-aggrandizing too. Oh yeah, I mean that's that's part of his whole thing. But that's also this is probably like, really boring for people who haven't seen the show. Well, I mean, it's all over the news right now. I mean, that's the thing. But anyway, uh, there's so many allegations about this guy coming out. And here's a couple of my favorite ones. Uh, There's one that just came out today. A judge who presided over Robert Durst's Texas murder trial says uh, the cable TV darling once cut the head off of a cat and left it on her doorstep. A house cat? Yeah, she thought it was a rat. She came home, but it was a little gray cat that had been cut behind the shoulder. So it was like a head with two front legs cut right behind the shoulders. It wasn't just thrown there. It was like balanced, like it was placed there. She mm, said it, uh, it looked like a surgical right cut, which is weird. But it also follows through with what uh, his brother alleges that, that Durst killed his dogs. Did you hear about this? This is how uh, no. weird this guy is. And this, I don't even think this is discussed in the show. It's just uh, it's come out. Because there's all these like allegations circulating. This is going to be on the guy. DVD. Yeah, this is, this is on the bonus feature. I hope they here. approach us for. Can we include your podcast commentary on the DVD? Of course. <laughs> all right, I'll do that. How much going to pay us? Um, so this is this is just disturbing. So Durst, um, this comes from his his brother who hired the bodyguard Douglas Durst. 
He and it concerns dogs. It's an unfortunate name. <laughs> Doug, Doug Durst. Durst. <laughs> so his brother, in an interview in the New York Times in January, uh, he described his brother as a true psychopath. And he spoke about the deaths of Robert's seven Alaskan Malmutes, all of them named Igor. So he named <laughs> all of his Malmutes Igor, and they all died. And this is what his brother says. Before the disappearance of my sister-in-law, because Bob's uh, Bob Durst's wife disappeared, uh, Bob had a series of Alaskan Malmutes. It's a lot like a husky. He had seven of them, and they all died mysteriously of different things within six months of his owning them. See, all, but that's, of, all of them named Igor. We don't even know how they died. There's what happened to of, their bodies. Having seven dogs is ridiculous. Having seven dogs having all seven named Igor? Of the same dog is ridiculous. <laughs> having seven like purebred expensive dogs is even more ridiculous. And then, yeah, naming them all the same thing is ridiculous. I mean, did, was he fucking a sled dog racer? No, of course not. <laughs> His brother says, in retrospect... I now believe he was practicing killing and disposing his wife with those dogs. Uh, Douglas also mentions that Robert would use Igor as a verb, claiming, when, this was when he was in jail in Pennsylvania, he would say, I want to Igor Douglas. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know about that. Maybe he misheard him. He says in the same interview, there's no doubt in my mind that if my brother had the opportunity to kill me, he would. <laughs> no doubt in my mind. The guy's a weirdo. And uh, he's definitely one of the most bizarre rich people I think I've ever seen. I mean, all rich, rich people who have grown up surrounded by wealth tend to turn out to be pretty weird. But this guy, he's, he's got to be like the epitome. I think there's a ton of no, really extremely normal rich people out there. But it's these people that rebel against it. You know, you mentioned that he didn't really want to be in the family. He just wanted his health food store. But I think it, what happens is they then they figure out like, wait a minute, I can't make nearly enough money to live my lavish lifestyle that I've lived my entire life with a health food store. And that's when they snap. Yeah. And they start murdering people. Yeah. Um, you got to watch the rest of it. I got to watch the rest of it. But people should go check out Jinx. Um, what's interesting is the director here, Andrew Jarecki, he did that uh, documentary that came out in like... In the early 2000s called Capturing the Freedmans. Did you ever see that? Yeah, I was talking about it with one of my friends last night, but I only vaguely remember it. And I don't want to spoil that either if people want to watch it. Uh, that one is stomach turning. It focuses but on the 1980s. The, the non-spoiler description, it's a family who like they were early adopters of like video cameras and like super eight. And they just, do they filmed like every part of their life. Right. And he like got a hold of all this stuff. I mean, this is what's weird about this guy. So it focuses on the 1980s investigation of Arnold and Jesse Friedman, who were charged with child molestation. And I don't want to give out too much of it. But yeah, the movie um, was all put together with, uh, with uh, footage that the Friedmans took themselves. And he pretty much put together a narrative with this footage. I mean, the guy's really talented. And he did this. But what's weird about it is over the years, he's maintained a relationship with the son, Jesse Friedman, and is trying to, to help him get exonerated of the charges. <laughs> this dude who, who did just unspeakable acts of uh, depravity to these kids. I mean, you, you should watch it. It's a, great, it's a good documentary, but it's, yeah, <laughs> it is rather stomach-turning. And, and furthermore, there's another weird thing about Andrew Jarecki. The dude invented movie phone. Movie phone. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't think kids. Phone. I don't think kids understand about movie phone anymore. It's an app. I have it on my phone, and you just. But there's a million apps like this, right? Google does it. You just you're like pull out the app, and it shows you the where all the movies are. But you used to actually call it, and it, it always it would say like movie phone. Remember the classic playing at episode? the AMC Metreon. <laughs> Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 at 8 o'clock, 9 p.m., 10.30. is like this weird guy with a voice. Jarecki sold that to AOL for like hundreds of millions of dollars. Of course. And not to mention his family are like oil barons or something. So he comes from all this money anyway. But, you know, I got to say, he's talented. Uh, Jinx is a great, is a, is a great series, and uh, you should check it out. And it's obviously influenced the... Uh, the public's view on on this Durst character. It's I think we're giving Durst. I don't, I don't like I don't like this precedent where, you know, e- either way, like with the serial, you know, you can get your sentence more lenient or or completely eliminated, or you know, like something you went to trial for and got off with, and now all of a sudden you're like they reopen the trial because somebody made like a fucking you know HBO thing about you that you invited upon yourself. Seems like. Hollywood already has enough <laughs> power over our culture. And this is like just another step. I don't know. Maybe, am I overreacting like a cranky 40 year old man? No, I think you're bringing up an interesting point. Um, I don't know. I mean, it'll, it'll be, it, the, the guy's already condemned in the public eye. I mean, everybody loves, I mean, look at true detective. Everybody loves a boogeyman. And, and right now uh, Durst, Durst is getting exactly what he wanted. He's getting the notoriety that he was seeking. So right. good. You'd be crucified. But you know, there's a, the there was a guy. backlash against serial, right? Where people were all like, you know what? He is guilty. Like the, all the contrarian sort of bloggers. I wonder if there's going to be a bunch of contrarian bloggers who are come to Durst's aid. <laughs> like he's actually not guilty at all. Even though he comes off as completely guilty. That guy's so creepy. I doubt that would ever happen. Anyway, what somebody's do you, gotta, so somebody's got to get those contrarian clicks. on their <laughs> blog. So if he's convicted, he gets uh, sent away. Um, he gets capital punishment. I don't know. I don't know where he's going to be convicted. If it's Texas, they do capital punishment there. What do you think his last meal would be? <sighs> Health food, <laughs> right? I think it's going to be like a falafel, piece of falafel, and some hummus, and maybe an avocado. He's one of those. He's one of those people who, yeah, he doesn't like to eat. So, yeah, he'll have like a fig Newton or something. Yeah, he's just going to have Lame. something creepy. Uh, the reason I'm asking you accurately is. Uh, our next guest, our guest that I'm going to be talking to in a few minutes here, uh, wrote a book, or he actually shot the photographs for a book, called No Seconds. Did you see this book? Uh, I heard about it, I think, somewhere. Maybe through you. Yeah, it was kind of a big thing on the internet, like uh, a couple mm-hmm. years ago or a year ago. But it's actually pretty cool. It's a great idea. Wish I would have thought of it. Where he just uh, photographed pictures of the last meals of all these prisoners. And it's, it's really odd. The, the whole idea of a last meal is pretty odd. I know we've discussed it here on the show. It's traditional. It's traditional, but, it, you know, they're revoking the tradition in a lot of uh, states. And, and furthermore, you think about the last meal, you don't get whatever you want. Like I, like, I was thinking about my last meal the other day. I was like, you know, I wouldn't mind having two bean burritos with uh, extra lettuce and um, extra lettuce. some sriracha. Like that, that's what I would like to have as my last meal. They're not going to give that to you. 
what really? they give you. That, yeah, seems, what, that seems excessively realistic and reasonable request. That's what I would think. But they don't give you anything outside the prison cafeteria. Oh, it's got to be me. <laughs> it's like the Eddie Murphy routine where it's like, well, you want a burrito? We'll make you a burrito. <laughs> and you get it. And you're like, this isn't a Taco Bell bean burrito. And the the like prison chef, right? He's like, it's got the beans. It's got the tortilla. <laughs> it's, got the lettuce. it's just not the same at all. It's like a corn tortilla and like some fucking weird, like butter lettuce instead of that good Taco Bell iceberg chopped up lettuce. It's going to be about, uh, it's going to be like three half frozen fish sticks. Here you go. Right. Enjoy your just last like meal. not even refried beans, just like whole red kidney beans. That's what you asked for, right? No. There you go. With like a, a shitty Taco Bell wrapper. That they took yeah. out of the garbage. Right. Um, do you think uh, prisoners that are about to be executed deserve a last meal? Just for laughs more than anything else. Yeah. <laughs> for the lulz? I mean, I'd, get, I'd get the guy some Taco Bell. You would, okay, if you were a guard, would you go out to like the KFC and be like, you know what, I'm just going to get this guy a bucket of chicken. Yeah, it'd be funny. I mean, while you're, well, just imagine the conversation at, talk, at KFC, like with the, you know, the, the staff. Like, you know where this is going. (laughs) That murderer. (laughs) You want to take a selfie with it? This is going to be eaten by a murderer before we execute him. Remember that guy that killed and raped those eight little girls like about a year and a half ago? This is his chicken. (laughs) (laughs) Extra crispy. Yeah, that's right. That's what he wants. Don't don't spit in it, please. Mm. Don't rub your balls on his milkshake. Right. Um, What would your last meal be? I have no idea. You never thought about this? (laughs) I mean, I would be like, I'd be shitting myself. I probably wouldn't be able to eat. <laughs> I mean, do you really think you're going to have a huge appetite? Like, wow, they're about to gas me. Great. Yeah, that's the one, one thing I always wonder about this. What if like, you let's do, just get this over with. What if you do shit yourself? Aren't you supposed to you, you evacuate your bowels when you die? Aren't they concerned they about do. that? And they put a jumpsuit on you and then they just throw your ass in the incinerator. They don't care. Some adult diapers. Huh. You should ask the guy when you interview him about uh, in Utah... They're they're talking about bringing back the firing squad, which I actually find a romantic way. To, that's a romantic way. To I would go, go by the firing squad. I don't yeah. care. It's because you know every time they try and lethally inject somebody, the uh, human rights lawyers come in and they're like, "Oh, he suffered. Like, well, he's dead." <laughs> you know, that was the whole point. And they're like, you know, they keep changing the drug cocktails, and then the drug companies don't want to sell it to the states to do lethal, you know, lethal executions. I'd rather go so back to so firing you, squad. Utah's yeah. just like, well, we'll just bring back the firing squad. Be better than being hung. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be hung. See, the problem it's with gruesome. the last meal request, it's not like you can be like, yeah, I'd like some Jaeger. Because they won't give you Jaeger. They won't give you the last drink or even the last oh, cigarette I just assumed anymore. I wasn't allowed to have a bunch of alcohol because that would be my request. Yeah, I'd be like, you know, I, wanna, I want some Jaeger, an MGD. <laughs> if I was a guard, I'd do that for you. Anyway. Um, big beer bong. We're going to talk to photographer Henry Hargreaves, who did No Seconds, and uh, find out what his last meal will be. Um, that'll be coming up next. Before we get to that, here's a word from our sponsor, Adam and Eve. It's butt plug month on adamandeve.com. Show that you still care by bringing something new into the bedroom. And by something new, I mean a butt plug. Because if you order right now and use coupon code DIDDLE, you get 50% off your first item, a gift so sensual I can't even tell you about it on this podcast that talks about murder and bukkake, and on top of all of that, free shipping. Support Sick and Wrong by supporting our sponsor, adamandeve.com, and making a purchase with coupon code DIDDLE. That's D-I-D-D-L-E. 
Hey, D. Hey, Henry. How's it going? Good, man. Good. Sorry, my uh, afternoon just got away on me, and uh, before you knew it, I was uh, out having a coffee with a babe and totally forgot about the four o'clock appointment. But uh, anyway, you got me at a good time now. <laughs> Not a problem. How's the weather out there? Is it still cold on the East Coast? Uh, yeah, we got like three inches of snow yesterday, but then today's uh, quite a bit warmer, so most of it's disappeared. But it uh, yeah, hasn't, quite, hasn't quite made its mind up what's going on. Yeah, I love that. On uh, I live on the West Coast. So it's always nice over here. But when I used to live uh, out east, it's like, you know, you're inside, you're hibernating all winter long. And then the first nice day, everybody's out on bikes. You know, everybody's enjoying yeah, the weather, you know? Exactly. Yes. I mean, yeah, I just I brought my bike out a couple of days ago. And so, it's, uh, yes, nice, nice to be able to have that freedom again. So it's, uh, it's all good. And they always say March starts like a lion and ends like a lamb. So, uh, <laughs> So hopefully we're getting closer to the land now. Cool. All right. Well, Henry, um, thanks for being on the show. And I'm a fan of your work. It's, it's, it's uh, good to have a chance to talk to you about it. So you've, you've made a name of yourself photographing food, deep frying mm-hmm. iPads, edible rainbows, stuff like that. Do all of your projects involve food or food preparation? No, not, not, not all of them. Um, I mean, it's just one of the sort of the, the themes that I work amongst. I don't know. I had two books published of breasts in 3D. Oh, okay. <laughs> they were on a totally, right. t- t- totally different subject. But, um, yeah, I mean, food to me is it's one of those things that, A, it's really accessible. Um, you know, to me, the, the supermarket becomes like the, you know, the art supply store. Um, and, uh, and I just think there's, because everyone can relate to food, you know, it's just, you got so much scope to use it mm. and such an audience to appeal to. Were you ever a chef? Did you ever work in the food service industry? No, I mean, I think the reason I shoot food the way I do, I worked in the food service industry. I bartended and managed uh, a couple of restaurants in uh, New York and I'm actually a part owner of three places now that I'm not actually, you know, actively working, and you know, as a as a bartender and waiter. But um, uh, I guess you know the more traditional aspect of food photography is more the kind of the food porn type of thing, yeah. photographing it to look pretty and go in your mouth. Um, and most photographers who do that kind of stuff are also really passionate cooks, and I can't cook at all. <laughs> so, uh, so, so to me, it's like I'm more interested in the kind of stories that. The food tells about the, you know you and your own personal choices and your interactions with them instead of trying to make it look good. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Yeah, it's 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 funny to me how that how the food porn is kind of just kind of taken off in recent years, especially with Instagram. Everybody just photographing yeah. pictures of their food like all the mm-hmm, time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, your no seconds project probably one of the yep. uh, you, you gained a lot of viral attention for that it was uh, so you recreated the last meals of various serial killers on death row um, yeah I remember seeing that and I was like oh but then, now that's just an amazing idea uh, so what inspired you to do that series well I mean, that came about, I mean, because I mean, I'm from New Zealand originally, and the death penalty is just one of those things that's not even in the discussion culturally. You know, it's, mm. it's just too much of a gray area. And, uh, and I feel that, for me, coming here, there's kind of a way the media has kind of managed to desensitize you to it, where people are just, like, represented as statistics. And it's kind of like, well, you know, it goes on, but it's never really in the public eye or, has, or hadn't been for a long time. Um, and then when Texas decided they were going to stop allowing the last meal request for prisoners on death row, 
I just was curious to see what they were actually ordering. And as I looked into it, it's all public record. Anyone can find it. Hmm. Um, for the first time, as I read about what everyone was requesting, it humanized all the prisoners in my mind. You know, suddenly they're real people. They're not just, you know, an anonymous face. Uh, and I just thought that it'd be something to represent visually. It would be really strong and interesting. And initially, I actually did reach out to the prisons, um, you know, obviously realizing I didn't have much of a chance of getting in there. But uh, I, um, I I had to try. And, uh, and anyway, and of course, I got, got a very quick, and there's no way on earth you're coming down here. And I also couldn't, couldn't find a picture anywhere of what a meal actually looked like. So I don't know if they served it on china plates or plastic, if there was proper cutlery or the they used their tray. fingers. But yeah. So I was like, look, here are all these possible scenarios to tell all these uh, these stories. So yeah, so I mean, that's basically what I did. I I went through and sort of got a range of requests and uh, and then decided to, to photograph them. So uh, I mean... What are some of the more interesting requests? I guess, did any surprise you after you started doing research? You're just like, really? This is your last request? Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess the first thing that jumps out to you is the amount of kind of, um, you know, deep fried foods and, you know, things that are unhealthy, which, you know, we use that great euphemism, comfort food. Yeah. Um, and, to, and, to, and yeah, and to me, that jumped out. It's like, you know, in these last moments, that's what a lot of people are wanting is just, they're trying to find a little bit of comfort. Well, I guess you also um, probably aren't too concerned about it killing you, you know? It's like, who cares about your <laughs> cholesterol? <laughs> it's like, I got yeah, about five exactly. hours to live. Exactly. And then there are all these little stories that happen within those things, too. Like, you know, John Wayne Gacy had been a manager of KFC restaurants. Oh, and, uh, you know, and he, and, he, and he wants fried chicken as his last meal. You know, to me, it's always those, that thing of anyone who works in a, the, the restaurant industry that's the last thing they ever want to eat is the things that uh, <laughs> they've been serving. And, um, and then there were all these other ones that were like metaphors of, um, you know, the kind of what to me is wrong a lot of it with it. Like there was one guy, Ricky Ray Rector, who was mentally disabled and therefore should never have been on death row in the first place. Uh, but, you know, he was just a poor, poor black and couldn't afford proper legal representation. Um, and, uh, and he left his peak and pie telling his guard that he was saving it for later. So, I mean, to me, it was like, even knowing where he was headed to and what his fate was, you know, it's just these, these stories that sort of came out of the food as well I found really illuminating and interesting. Yeah, that's, I mean, I was kind of wondering about that. I remember when I was looking at your, your series, and I was like, do you think the last meal is like a manifestation of the condemned's mental state at the time? Or do you think it's, well, I just really like chocolate ice cream and hot wings. Like, you well, know, you know, I'm, yeah. And look, I'm not trying to, trying to come up with all the answers. What I think is really powerful about this and food uh, as a tool to tell a story with is you can present it and everyone reads in their own thing. I'm almost holding a mirror up for someone to, to read into it what they think. And the amount of kind of feedback and emails that I've got from people who are, you know, trying to decode what Timothy McVeigh's mint chocolate chip ice cream means or Victor Furiger's single olive with the pit still in it. And I'm like, look, I don't know what was going on in that guy's mind. It's interesting. That's all I'm saying. It's, it's, yeah. 
you, you definitely get that point across uh, with your photograph. But that, that's why I wonder. It's like, is this their last chance to be rebellious and fuck with their captors? Or, you know, does uh, Timothy McVeigh just really like mint ice cream, you know? It's like his favorite yeah, food. And, well, and I, and I find the flip side also really, really fascinating. The whole, like, you know, the, the, the system that is giving a last meal request. It's like, hey, we're about to execute you, but we're going to do one nice yeah, one, one nice turn just nice before thing. that. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I also find the religious connotations really interesting as well. Like, you know, the last meal being such a theme and, you know, in religion with, you know, the whole the last Christ's supper last everything. meal. Yeah. Exactly. And the way that the, 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 this happens primarily in the Bible Belt. Well, I mean, you think about it, it's the hypocrisy of it all. It's like, we're going mm. to give you your last meal, but then we're going to kill you right afterwards. Yeah. So, you know, thou shalt not kill. doesn't really matter. But as long as we feed you, it's all right. Yeah, um, exactly. So when did, this is what's interesting about it. And I'm glad you brought that up. When did this tradition start, this last meal tradition? Is this something we've been doing for, you know, forever since we've had prisons? I mean, well, I mean, because the U.S., well, because, you know, the U.S. outlawed the death penalty for a long time, and then it was reinstated in 1974. Mm -hmm. they, actually, they actually brought it back in. Um, and as far as I'm aware, the, the final meal has been a tradition with a lot of executions throughout time. Um, you know, Joan of Arc, was, she was offered, a, you know, a last request um, when Eichmann was killed. Uh, you know, after, after his trial, he, he also was. And everywhere has a slightly different spin on it. Like some places would allow you to have alcohol, and the states they don't. And in each state is slightly different. Some states will allow you to order food in to the value of $40, and other ones are like you have to choose things that are in the kitchen at the prison. So every, you know, they've all got these different... Uh, different sort of stipulations you know, rules around exactly exactly yeah i was wondering about that like uh, will they fulfill any requests no matter how outlandish like if i was like you know i want some taco bell and a big mac and a milkshake or are they just like now nah, you have to go to the cafeteria sorry yeah, I mean, I, the majority of ones that I read about was it was what will be in there in the kitchen and available, and you know, and also the thing that I found really strange about that when Texas got rid of this request, I mean, the amount of money, because the whole thing was, there was a, um, a guy, I think it was Ronnie Lee Gardner, who made a request for a large meal and didn't eat it when, you know, the time came. And so some senator decided he was going to make an example out of this and push legislation through to stop the request happening. You were just going to get what you get, what you're given. But at the same time, I'm like, the amount of money that was probably spent on this legislation and you're still getting a big meal. You're not, you're not forced to eat it or not. So, I mean, food is going to go to waste one way or the other if you don't want to eat it. How, so, much, you know, mean, how, how much does an execution cost? Well, I mean, the actual process of executing someone, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I don't know that figure off the top of my head, but, I mean, keeping them alive on death row that whole time, yeah. going through that whole process, yeah, I mean, you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. I uh, I read that uh, Utah is bringing back the firing squad. If you uh, heard, well, about, heard about this, yeah, I, I have heard about that, and I mean, I think that's probably to do a lot with all the blotched executions with all the, uh, the drugs that, yeah, that aren't uh, that aren't that aren't happening. So I mean, I guess you know, in the scheme of things, it's probably slightly it's more humane. 
Yeah, I was, I was about, I was wondering about that. Like, I guess if you looked at the uh, the gamut of execution methods, I would say firing squad might be the most humane, the quickest, you know, form of execution. Mm. I'd rather do that than a lethal injection. Well, and and there was always a story I remember about the firing squad that not that you know only a couple of people actually get bullets and the other people get blanks. So that, you know, you actually distances you, yourself from the person who's actually killed him. And, yeah, and I've heard that the, uh, you know, the shooters don't know who actually gets the real bullet. Exactly. So um, I guess you probably get this question all the time, but what would your last meal be? Because I, I was thinking about this myself, and I'm like, you know, I don't even know if I'd have an appetite. Like, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I th- like Eileen Wernos order just a cup of coffee because I don't think she really had an appetite and I don't think I would but what would your last meal be? Yeah, look, I'm the same. I'm sure my, my stomach would be in, in knots but look, if hypothetically I was let, 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 something that brings would bring me comfort I would probably ask for something like you know, granola, fruit and yogurt and I don't know, Miller High Life if I was allowed <laughs> alcohol. Yeah, it's healthy. <laughs> I mean, to, 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 beer. Yeah, to, well, to me that just takes me to that place of like uh, I'm, I'm, you know, not a care in the world. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a, it's a great series. But you've done some other stuff, too, um, that I was impressed by. One of my favorite series that you did is the, the Band Riders. So you made a series of photos based on the food that famous musicians eat backstage as specified on their riders. And as a, any reader of the Smoking Gun, the Smoking Gun website uh, reprints a lot of these riders, Writers can get really weird. They can become absolutely bizarre. So what was it? Like, who, what inspired you to do, to do this series? Well, I mean, I guess this is... I mean, I basically did a trilogy of series that were just using food as the common denominator and the connection between the subject uh, and the viewer. And when the subject's someone you can't relate to, they're basically all outsiders. So in terms of... Uh, prisoners on death row, mm-hmm. celebrities, you know, superstars, and then I also did Doomsday Preppers, which I've just mm. uh, just released this week. Um, and to me, celebrities are kind of they're put on that pedestal, and they're sort of, you know, I don't know. For me, anyway, they've been built up to be someone so sensational that I can't really relate to who they are. And but when I read these kind of mundane and often really common requests. Uh, I was something like, oh, I understood, you know, actually who Rihanna is. I can understand that Axl Rose really deep down is still just a kid from a trailer park in Indiana. You know, I, uh, it, 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 it's just a humanizing effect again. Well, so that, that's what... Uh, you know, that, that, that's the thing. It's like you look at the executed prisoners and that, that, that is the other. You can't relate to somebody like this, this murderer, uh, someone who you just considered to be a vile human being. But on the other hand, you got the uh, celebrities, people that are deified, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and we can't, we can't, we, we, we picture these people like someone like Prince, you know, what, what does Prince eat? This, this man's a demigod, you know, it's like, what, what does this man consume? And it, that's what's interesting about this. Right, right. And I also wanted to, like, when I do a photo series, I also think about the visual story, the way I'm going to um, uh, present them. And with the prisoners' last meals, I wanted to do it like a POV. You know, this is the moment before they pick up their cutlery from their point of view. With the band writers, I wanted to show them like a Flemish still life painting um, where the theme was all about mortality and the passing of time. 
And to me, that's like the spotlight on these guys. If they haven't had a number one hit for a decade, no one really cares what you want backstage. <laughs> you, just, <laughs> you, should, you should be lucky to be there. Um, one of my favorites is Busta Rhymes. Busta Rhymes requests on his writers 24 pieces of chicken, a fried chicken, Rough Rider condoms, and Guinness, which is just yep. kind of odd. So, so what are some of the more ridiculous uh, requests that you read about that you encountered? Well, what I kind of liked, I liked that. I liked it when someone had a request that confirmed for you who they were. Like, it was like, ah, uh, exactly what I hoped, like Frank Sinatra, who basically yeah. wanted a booze buff buffet of seven kinds of alcohol, you know, shrimp and cough lozenges. You're like, man, that's just good old school cool. But it matches um, his personality, you know? Yeah, exactly. And then you get the people who you're like, whoa, that's, interesting because it's not what I expected, like Marilyn Manson, who wants gummy bears. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, and then there was also, you know, the Foo Fighters who wanted to kill Bassa sausage so immense it would make a man feel self-conscious. Um, <laughs> See, that, that's, that's kind know. of, you know, they're, they're having a joke. They're having fun with this. They're taking the piss a little uh, bit. Oh, yeah. No, I totally, I love that. And you know what? And it's like, I, li- I like the Foo Fighters the more for it. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, like Rihanna, that, though. Too. Rihanna likes her munchies, you know, Oreos, uh, cheese, Red Bull, stuff like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and also you get the people who are also got the uh, affiliations with all the, all the uh, companies. Like, Beyonce was only allowed, was only allowed Pepsi products. Um, so there's no other drink brands allowed in there, you know. It's like, you know, this is that whole corporate thing to the next level where she's only allowed to consume who's, you know, who's putting the, uh, the label on, on, you know, the bottom of her ticket stuff. <laughs> I read that uh, Prince actually likes all the food in his dressing room to be wrapped in plastic wrap, and he's the only person that can unwrap this. Um, you read about that? He's a weird, he's I, a weird uh, I, I'd, I'd believe it. I'd believe it. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's, that's interesting. What I find interesting, too, is the, much like a prison, I guess, is the venue obligated mm-hmm. to fulfill these requests? And what happens if they don't? Like, are the musicians, like, full prima donnas? They refuse to play? Like, I could see Nicki Minaj doing something like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she could well do it. I mean, I think it's been one of those things for a long time. Like, my mum works on festivals in New Zealand, and uh, they had Nina Simone come and play quite late in her career. And, uh, and it was like, yeah, the lists of demands and everything, and she was, you know, if this doesn't happen, I ain't going on stage. <laughs> <laughs> It's ridiculous. See, that yeah, reinforces I, 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 the conception a lot of us have of these celebrities, though. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I, uh, yeah, I, I think the moral of the story is just, just do it. <laughs> you don't want, you don't want to muck around with that. Yeah, no, you got this person here. Just, just give them their gummy worms. It's all right. Um, so you also gained some attention, uh, some viral attention for deep frying an iPad. In an iMac. Mm-hmm. Now, now, what was going on with this? Were you making a statement on our culture's obsession with tech and fast food? Yeah, like- basically, it, exactly. That kind of like, you know, there's that obsession with the latest gadget. And they it's kind of consumed like fast food. It's like we get it in us, the next one comes out, and we've already forgotten about the last one. We just move on to the next gadget like it's the next meal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought that, it, you know, let's see what, you know, these things would look like battered and fried. Did you buy those or were they donated to you? Like the iPad? Uh, That's expensive. You know, I, 
Yeah, you know what? I actually made um, them. I made models. So I actually I photographed all the things, printed out photos, and then made cardboard mock-ups of them all. Um, ah. Because for three reasons: one, I ain't rich enough to be uh, to be done and ruining that stuff. Um, I also didn't want to know what happens when you put a lithium battery in. 400 degree oil yeah, uh, that's interesting. and uh and and i wanted to have the screens illuminated otherwise i'm sure they would just all go dark as soon as you get them wet so i was like to do this i think this is the the way to do it <laughs> did, did anyone notice because i mean i looked at those photos i had no idea uh no i mean i actually i was never trying to Present it as them being the real ones. I actually said in my statement that I had done a uh, that I'd made made mock-ups of these things. But still, it's I love all the kind of hate mail that comes in, and so many people were like, I mean, it was like someone called could have called nine one one on that phone that you destroyed, you know, and and they had their life saved, but you've taken this out, all this stuff, and you're just like, hey, did you not read the body of the uh, the story? Um, but you know, I I, I actually love the I love going through and reading comments that people make, especially when they're bashing my stuff. Because, you know, there's an old saying that, you know, if if no one hates it, no one actually really loves it either. And yeah. they always, in the, in the formula in the ad world, that for every one person who hates something, 10 people love it. And no one really writes to tell you they like it. They're just like, hey, this is, this is really got up my nose. Especially on the internet. Everyone's a hater on the internet. Oh. I, I imagine you caught some flack, though, for the uh, the last meals, especially probably because uh, they, th- they think you're sympathizing with these murderers. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, there was a little bit of that. I mean, I even I actually got a, an email from one person whose uncle had been uh, murdered by one of these people. And I was actually thinking that he was really going to go off on me. But he was actually quite... It was quite he, he didn't. He was really reserved and was just like... I was really moved and it stirred all these emotions that I hadn't thought about and felt for a long time. Um, and he never, he, he didn't, he didn't say exactly what it was, but he never, he never, he wasn't trying to chastise me for doing it. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, so what's this doomsday project all about? Uh, it, um, I finished it last week. Uh, I did a, a, a TED talk um, at, at TED Manhattan, TED, TEDx Manhattan. Um, and I, part of that was I had to debut a new series. So I spoke about these three series just, and the, you know, as I said, trying to, you know, connect the viewer with the subject through food. And, uh, to me, the, the preppers are another kind of, uh, sort of someone on the outskirts of society who I didn't really, I was fascinated with, but don't really understand. And I'd seen that TV show, Doomsday Preppers on National Geographic, That's a great show. you know, station. And uh, and I was just really, really interested about how the food told the story about, you know, A, what they thought was going to happen, then, you know, how they think they're going to eat, why their prep is the right thing. Because I guess Doomsday is defined by the breakdown of the food distribution chain. You know, I think that as a society, we take for granted that food's just going to be on a supermarket shelf. Mm. But, you know, we know, we know in New York that as soon as it snows, oh, those trucks aren't coming in. Um, and uh, and suddenly, suddenly you're uh, really going to the shelves. And I mean, we're talking about a snowstorm here. We're not talking about you know something much on a, a much zombie apocalypse. Scale. You know, I could <laughs> could well be. Yeah. Well, you and, look at Walking then, you know, Dead, and you know the, those guys are like foraging for uh, nuts and berries in the forest because there's no food. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, or the Rogue, that Cormac yeah, McCarthy book that got turned into the, the most horrific film that just traumatized me. Yeah, and, uh, it's hard to watch. And you start to also ask those questions of like, do you even want to live in a world where, you know, the most exciting food you can get comes from a can that's that you know was left there three, four years ago? Um, it just yeah opens up these other stories. So that's for me, it was really interesting. But it was really interesting talking to the people. And figure it like I never knew that part of the Mormon faith was to be a, a prepper. Mm, I never um, either. Uh, I, you know, there were all these other things. Like I was talking to, you know, uh, an Orthodox Jew, uh, like how he preps because it's got to be kosher. Um, you know, versus uh, you know someone who's worried about terrorist attacks who's a forager in the middle of Missouri, and it was all these kind of different stories and scenarios. Uh, that that they thought would happen, and yeah, and again, I was just like, let's try and show what could be the hypothetical meal that they're eating, um, and and do this photo series. Hmm. Yeah, it's another way to uh, tell a story. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm looking forward to checking that out. Is that uh, are you currently releasing that on your site? Yeah, it's actually it's, it's uh, I think you just put it up yesterday or the day before um, on my site, so you can check it out there. And you can also go to yeah. If you Google my name and Ted Ted Manhattan, um, you can see my TED talk as well. Cool. So, do you have any uh, upcoming shows uh, in particular on the West Coast? Uh, I've got I've got a few things happening. I've got a uh, actually the last meals uh, being exhibited in Italy in Rome and the Maxi, which is the kind of the, uh, the the most prestigious modern art gallery in Italy. Wow. And there's a big there's a big food kind of expo that's going on in Italy this year. So anyway, they're going to be exhibited there. I've got four exhibitions opening up in New Zealand uh, next month, in case any of your listeners happen to be near Wanaka. Um, and then I've got something happening at Art Basel later in the year and a few other things cooking as well. Oh, cool. Well, I look forward to checking that out. So people can go to your website, though, henryhargreaves.com, to buy uh, prints and just uh, yep, find yep, out more information about these exhibits. Cool. Totally. And then I've got the, and then, yeah, perfect. And then I've got the Instagram, which kind of shows, you know, the, the day-to-day stuff in the studio and behind the scenes and things, too. So, yeah. What, what's, your what did, what's your Instagram? What's your Instagram? It's Henry, Henry Hargreaves Photo. Okay, Henry Hargreaves photo, people. You should go uh, follow Henry. All right. Well, uh, hey, thanks for uh, taking the time to chat with me. I find your work fascinating. And uh, I'll definitely uh, I'll throw a link up on the site. All right. You got Um, it, my man. Thanks, Steve. Great chatting. All right. Take it easy, Henry. Well, this is Jim Rose of the Jim Rose Circus, and uh, before I put my face in broken glass and let somebody stomp on the back of my head, I have to listen to Sick and Wrong. So, Wackerly, we got a few phone calls here to get to. 206-666-3846 is that number. Um, got some thought experiments. Has it been a while since we've done thought experiments? I think so. Uh, we'll get to those in a second. Uh, this first one is not a thought experiment. This is from a guy who's, I guess, maybe he thinks he's helping us out. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> oh, no. I hate unsolicited help. Hey, Dean Lance. Uh, Annie Christ here. 
Uh, not sure Zee? if you knew about this uh, <laughs> new, well, it's not new, I guess, this uh, bestscore.com. It's this uh, site with uh, some pretty graphic pictures and videos of fucking violence and gore and everything else you fucking love. Yeah, we love uh, I haven't heard anybody talk about it, but then again, I'm only on episode 399, so not really <laughs> up to date. This is one of those dudes that's starting from the beginning. Right. And just working his way up. I thought wow. he said bestscore.com. Well, no, I think he's talking about, because maybe back then we were talking about like, you know, rotten.com or consumption junction or what are some ogreish? Remember ogreish? Yeah, I remember all of those. And uh, this guy's talking about bestscore. That was best back when score. there was like a hundred websites. <laughs> you know, the only one I like now is eFucked. You ever go to that one? No. E-F-U-K-T. I'm sure you've seen it. No, I know what you're talking about, but I don't go to it. I don't go to it regularly, but some people will send me videos that they think is going to shock me. You know, it's from World E-fucked. Star. They're the king. Oh, actually, they? World Star is a very entertaining. I go to World Star probably every four months just to check in to see if they have anything funny. <laughs> I saw a great video on there the other day of uh, some chick accidentally sat on a hamburger. She accidentally sat on a hamburger of... Uh, her friends you're not saying else i'm down with that video <laughs> next thing you know they're pulling out her weave beating her ass for like at least five minutes the whole time the baby daddy's just sitting there with a kid on his lap just smoking weed and watching it's, it's <laughs> are, they, a great are video. they at a fast food establishment or is this at somebody's residence somebody's residence huh. and it's like three, i just watch youtube girls just doing this i just watch youtube for like uh, car crash videos. <laughs> That's all basically all I watch. <laughs> how come all those Russian video? How come all those people have a camera like on their dashboard? Because Why do we I do think, that? I think the whole traffic law is much more litigious, and I think there's just a lot more people doing fucked up shit on the road. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Why don't we do that? I do it. You have a camera on your dashboard? Yeah. I don't always put it on there, but if I'm going on a long trip, I'll set it up. It's a GoPro. Wait a second, you put your GoPro right on your dash and record the whole trip? Yeah. Of what? Just the road? Yeah, it loops. You don't save it, (laughs) but you have it going, and it's looping onto the memory card, and I plug it into my uh, cigarette lighter uh, so it doesn't run out of power, and you just have it going, you forget about it. Do you watch it later? No, you don't watch it. But if some crazy shit went down, you got you better believe I'm going to stop and stop it from looping, and then I'm going to download that shit on my computer. So you're doing it just... Or what if somebody caused... I mean, this is just for entertainment purposes, but I mean, I guess the responsible reason to do it is like if there were some accident and I wanted to prove to the insurance company or the police or whatever that it was the other person's fault, then it'd be useful for that. But mostly I keep it on there. Like, think of all the crazy shit you've seen in your car where you wished like... Wow, that would have been cool to have that on camera. Like, I was driving it down uh, 880 or up 880 one day, and there was a full-on, uh, these guys were, they weren't shooting at each other, but they were definitely waving their guns around, pretend, like, you know, menacing each other that they were going to shoot each other. That would have been cool to have on video. So you're just anticipating YouTube a viral material. video. Yeah. I didn't, buy, I didn't buy this GoPro for this reason, but since I have it, why not set it up? I thought people just buy GoPros to film some weird sex videos. Like, what, what do you, you do use a GoPros? GoPro for that? <laughs> I don't know. You just put it on your head and just for your a... extreme lifestyle. Extreme <laughs> Is that what it's videos. for? It's for like, like uh, 
biking down a mountainside or something. Exactly. I don't know. I got it as a, I got it as a gift. <laughs> That's some weird Robert Durst type of shit there. Putting it on your your dashboard and just filming everything. What's your wife think of that? She loves it. <laughs> I turn it around and I just have it on my face the whole time. <laughs> Here's me driving for six hours. Just grimacing. Yeah. Um, no, I'm, yeah, I'm uh, lip syncing to the songs. <laughs> Actually, I'm singing the songs out loud. It's not even lip syncing. That could be a viral video right there. Yeah. Again, for not uh, fucking stopping at 392, guys. Oh, yeah. And also, message for the fucking ladies. Respect your elders, you fuckers. These great men you listen to take time from their own personal lives to entertain you. The least you could do is to send some fucking nude pictures. Tits. Ass. Pussy. All of the above. I doubt they fucking care. I mean, I'd send you some of my own, but I doubt you want to see it. But fuck it. Keep it up, guys. Love the show. Peace out. Antichrist out. All right, that was a little weird at the end here. What's he going to send us? Some of his own pictures he's taken of girls? Or his no, own pictures well, I mean, of, of his, his own just genitalia? He can just Buffalo Bill that shit. <laughs> he's going to tuck it. <laughs> Odd fuck me. Um, yeah, dude, you know, it's been a while since we've... Remember, there was a time when we used to get a lot of naked pictures. Yeah. Like it's been about six months, maybe longer, a maybe time. a year. I Usually what happens, I'll get them, and then I'll just forward it to Wackerly. Wackerly be like, oh, sweet. Some naked pictures, some guy's ugly wife. That's what usually happens. They weren't ugly. They weren't yeah, super ugly. Hot. <laughs> yeah, they weren't couple. super ugly. I do There's think a couple it's, that were. Well, I'll just say they were questionable. <laughs> I do find it. I do find it really amusing that somebody would get his wife to do that. Sometimes it's funny to me that um, the lady might be perfectly all right looking, but some people just don't understand how to do a good erotic pose, <laughs> and you're just like, "What is that?" <laughs> like, like when, the guy's not giving her good direction, you know, if he's taking the picture. When you can't like, tell no, if it's arch like, your back. Don't like bend over like that. <laughs> you can't tell if it's a titty or a tumor. Then you can tell that. what they are. They're just in some weird like <laughs> crouching position, you know? This is just I mean, this is was done in Seinfeld, right? It's amateur photography. That's finest. Yeah, they just need some lessons. <laughs> like erotic <laughs> posing. You should you should go get your GoPro and teach these amateurs how to take erotic pictures. That'd be good. No. <laughs> Lance Wackerly's erotic picture, uh, erotic picture tutorial. Symposium. <laughs> Symposium. <laughs> it's going to take about a weekend. All right. Well, uh, thank you there, Antichrist. And uh, yeah, ladies, what's up? Send us some naked pictures. <laughs> uh, here's a thought experiment. We're gonna, we, got, we got two. We got two thought experiments. One is so long, I don't even understand where it's going. We'll do the short one first. All right, let me roll the theme music. Second row, thought experiment. Hey, and Lance, this is David from California. Got a thought experiment for you. What if your wife and mother suddenly switched bodies one day 
and the only way to switch back is for you to have sex with one of them. They must be fully conscious and aware while you're doing it. <laughs> Which one do you do? As an added challenge, the other person will watch you do this. Let me know. Bye. That's disturbing. Um, I'm going to go for the non-standard answer and say I would have sex with my wife in my mom's body. You would have sex with your wife in your mom's body while your mom watched in your wife's body. Right. Dude, but that, you would do but, it the other way? Yeah, because, I mean, it'd be weird. So you're having sex with your mom. I guess I'd be having sex. You're having sex with your mom. <laughs> I'm having sex with my mom's body. And then, how old is your mom? Like 70 years old? Uh, late 60s. So you're having sex with a woman in her late 60s. I'm having sex with my girlfriend. What I would do is I would just like... I mean, this whole question sort of like presupposes a belief in a soul and all that stuff. But <laughs> if you're going to believe in a soul, then yeah, I'd rather not be having sex with my mom's soul. I What I would do, I know there's lots. You remember all those body switching movies in the 80s? Yeah, those all have subtext about the existence of the soul. I think I would just discuss it with my mom and be like, close your eyes. Let me put a bag over your, or I wouldn't even need a bag over your head. Just close your eyes. And let me just have sex with you from behind. She can feel your penis. I mean, she has all the sen- the sensations and nerve endings of the person's body. You think body. you think you'd be able to get erection looking at your mom's naked vagina? I don't think I'd be able to get an erection being like, "Well, mom, how does uh, my penis feel?" <laughs> <laughs> that- Wouldn't you just be like, "Shut up, bitch," and just shove her head in the pillow? I don't know. Are you like waiting for her to come? <laughs> Yeah, I guess this qualifies. What sex? Is it just sticking the tip in and you're done? Clearly not. So it's it's till till completion. Yeah, of course. Not for both parties, just for the guy. Not for both parties. Come on. Well, that's okay. Well, then I'm saying it, I'd much rather have sex with uh, my mother in my wife's body because if she just closed her eyes and say anything, I'm fucking my wife's body and that I'm attracted to. I'll come quickly. You will probably be fucking that for like a half an hour. I don't know. It seems weird. <laughs> I still I stick by my answer. Why does the Why does the person have to watch? Uh, That's just weird. I don't know. I mean, it's yeah. I don't even get. That's that. to have the guy on the show to be like, where did that clause come in? Because you know he's talking about with his friends, and they're like, okay, well, what if they had to watch? Yeah, that's that is just that. That's just weird. Yeah, I don't like that one. Yeah, it's kind of gross. That's gross, dude. I don't know why you're thinking thoughts like that. I know. Well, he's like, I really want to fuck my mom, but what if it was my <laughs> wife's mind in her body? Yeah, I'm like not saying weird... I would enjoy it. I'm just saying that would be the least horrible way to do it for me. Would that be some? Would like? Would you classify that as an edible complex, like an edible situation? <laughs> edible? <laughs> no, an edible situation because you had sex with. I don't know if that counts. It doesn't count because it doesn't there's count. Uh, some body switching going count, on there. Yeah. And that never happened in any of those Judge Reinhold movies of the eighties. <laughs> not in the not in the versions of the script that made it to the screen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's a second thought experiment. This one's kind of long, so I might truncate it a bit. But uh, see, what, it, it's weird too. It's compl- It's kind of like, yeah, it's hard to follow. It's like the that that show Jinx. Hey, sick and wrong. This is Owlman from Los Angeles, California. 
Um, I haven't heard one of these in a while, so I decided to send you a thought experiment. But usually when you guys get a thought experiment, you guys should be talking on it and find some loophole or some weird fucking angle that's not even supposed to be there. So I decided to send you a personal one. one. A little personal, a little slice of hell for uh, one, each and every one of you. But today it'll be for, for D. So D, D, for D, this is your thought experiment. So let's say um, you're uh, at night in your room, you know, spinning with Hecubus or your ball sack cat. <laughs> By the way, that rhymes, just, just so you know. Um, anyways, out of a bright light uh, cluster or whatever, you know, the ghost of Bob Madigan comes, your guardian angel. And he comes and you wake up and he sees you and you see him and he's like, D, I've come back to make a difference in the world because I'm trying to earn my wings. And you're like, well, well how can I help? So he's like, you're going to help me because I have the ability to time travel. So he's like, all right, so what are we going to do? So they were going to go stop Hitler. And you're like, all right, I'm excited. I'm down you know, I'm going to do this for my people, for the Jews, and we'll go back and we'll stop Hitler firsthand. So you guys go back. There's so many more you Jews. You guys over in Berlin, that. HQ, wherever the hell he is. And he tells you, oh, there's one, uh, there's one thing, though, that I forgot to tell you. So we're not exactly going to kill him. We're going to humiliate him. And you're like, well, oh. I'm like, well, he's like, oh, we're going to uh, try to capture him having uh, sex with a man. I'm like, well, he's never going to do that. I'm like, well, this is where you come in. I'm going to dress you like a, you know, like a modern-day Berlin uh, prostitute. Send you to where he at, he's at uh, while I'm hiding behind the curtain and I'm recording the whole thing. <laughs> so he's like, oh, you're like, oh, I don't know. But there's had to get no choice. You're already there. So once you're there, he goes through it. You put your little drag on. Walk in. You see Hitler. He's like, hmm, this is wunderbar. <laughs> and you're like, ah, ah, ah. So you walk in and, you know, you know Hitler. He's a, he's a player, gamer. He goes right to business. Was Hitler a player? No. Yeah, I thought he just was just Eva Braun and uh, Blondie. No, they. I mean, that's the whole. Uh, that's one of the weirdest things about him is people. People. Nobody's ever been able to figure out his sexuality, and people think he was either asexual or just sort of. I mean, it's not even like he has a clear perversion. He's just kind of like. Yeah, I don't think. I think, he like, had I any think kind the closest fetish. thing people think is he's just a weird asexual person. Like maybe he was embarrassed of his genitalia or something, because that's the kind of shit that would force you to like, you know, like engage in genocide. Yeah. yeah, some kind of overcompensation. Right. Starts filling you up, diddling you. There's nothing you can do. Well, this whole time, you know, the guardian angel Bob Madigan is in the in the back curtain recording the whole thing. So, you know, Hitler's got his... I think it's uh, funny this guy thinks know? that um, Bob Madigan could remain quiet for long, <laughs> like a minute. I, I like how he thinks Bob Madigan could hold a camera. Like, could you imagine how shaky that would be? I can see Bob <laughs> Madigan holding a camera. I just can't imagine him not making comments. Or just even <laughs> like, just... <laughs> like, he could never keep his mouth shut. Maybe guardian angel Bob Madigan. I love how he thinks Bob Madigan would be my guardian angel. Mm-hmm. You know? Not like Sonny Bono or somebody. It's just Bob Madigan. <laughs> really? In a few minutes, he's already just, just straight out ramming you and just showing you a good time. 
you know, slapping you a bit. How is this a thought experiment more than just a, an entertaining story? Doesn't bother me. It's entertaining. Yeah, it is entertaining. And then the plan is just before he comes, you pull off your wig and you say, aha, I was gotcha. a man. <laughs> and Bob Madden gets on film. He projects into, I don't know, the square in Berlin or somewhere where the hell he did his famous speech and shows everyone that, well, becomes crestfallen and he is thrown out of power. Hence, you stop the Holocaust, you stop World War II, and you save millions and millions of Jews. Or would you rather ignore Bob Madigan, throw a fist of whiskey out the window, lure him out, go back to sleep and dream of uh, better days? So question is, what would you do? Would you go back in time with Bob Madigan? All right. So uh, I see that. What would you do here? Go back in time with Bob Madigan and uh, wear a German prostitute outfit and then get what, sodomized by Hitler and then have Bob Madigan film the whole scene, which is projected in the uh, Berlin city square. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what would happen. And, uh, and then everybody would turn against Hitler and I would save all the Jews um, or I just go back to sleep. Yeah. Mm. What would you do? Probably go back to sleep. But, um, why, why would what's you done is done. Yeah. Well that, but why wouldn't you, why would you have sex with him? Why, why not just, you know, knife him in the skull or something? Well, because you want to humiliate uh, him. Well, yeah. You want to belittle the whole concept of the Aryan, uh, you know, <laughs> Superman. <laughs> the ideal <laughs> whereas if you just murdered him then you know like Goering or somebody would come and just take his place but if you make everybody laugh at the whole concept of like the super Nazi guy then uh but raping a, a dude don't you think Hitler would check you know downstairs try to find out the downstairs mix up like, don't you think he'd take a look and see what's down there before he'd stick his dick in there well it was a simpler time back then you <laughs> <laughs> didn't have to check you would just assume so you just lift up the skirt and just bend over? Yeah. Like, okay. You just lube it up a little bit. <laughs> I go back it's in like time. Madam Butterfly. You know, it's not honestly, unheard of. I think what's done is done. And I think that you, if you go back and affect some, something like that, do you imagine how many Jews there would be right, right now? People like hate the Jews as more. it is. Six million more <laughs> Jews, but they've been, been breeding even more. I guess we yeah. would control everything, even more than we already do. Germany, at least. There'd and be Germany. no Israel. You wouldn't need an Israel. Middle East would be more safer. Be Maybe more I will settled go down back there. there and get fucked by Hitler. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Do you think? I won't tell anybody. Do you think if you did that, the Germans would really care? Do you think it would have the intended effect? Because, you know, Germans already were a bit perverted or always have been a bit perverted. But then think about the Weimar Republic and all the perversions that happened then. Then they suppressed the perversions because they were being Nazis. But, they, but it was all repressed. I mean, it's still going on. Well, this wouldn't repressed. be repressed because it would be projected in the town square. But do you think they'd see it and be like, well, it's Hitler. It's the Fuhrer. I guess now we can all have butt sex again. I guess you know. You, you never know. know. <laughs> I, I just don't, I don't think it would have affected the case at all. I mean, maybe the Jews would have laughed a little bit. Not only is it a thought experiment, it's a time traveling experiment. You don't know what the outcome is going to be. 
Yeah, I wonder. What would you do in this case, Wackerly? Oh, the question was not asked of me. <laughs> no, but if people. it is, I mean, this is a sick and wrong thought experiment. No, I, I don't care about the juice. <laughs> <laughs> you just go back to sleep. <laughs> I wouldn't want to, uh, I wouldn't want to upset the, uh, you know, I wouldn't want to introduce any paradoxes <laughs> into the space-time continuum. <laughs> However, I would love to time travel with my guardian angel, Bob Madigan. I would time travel with Bob Madigan and not, you know, interfere with any, with anything. Could you imagine you could just go through all the, the different eras of history with Bob Madigan leading you? The different boozes. <laughs> you could go drink the absinthe, you know, like with, uh, I bet you Bob Madigan and like Van Gogh would get along great. I could, you know, artists from a different era, you know, a different time. Right. I could see that. Well, that was one of the more interesting thought experiments I've had in a long time. You know, it was a good one. People, call the show, 206-666-3846. Uh, we got to get out of here. People, listen to the show on iTunes. Just go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, comment. We appreciate it. It actually does help boost visibility for the show. It gets us more fans, more money, and uh, boosts our confidence. It makes us want to continue doing this. Um, also, uh, the uh, Sick and Wrong Facebook page is really thriving at the moment. Uh, Facebook.com. Sly on Sticking Wrong Podcast. You can like the page. You can follow us. You can uh, banter with the other uh, the other fans there. Uh, we're also selling T-shirts at the Sticking Wrong store. We need to uh, sell more T-shirts, so then uh, we'll start working on the new design. com slash store. Buy the black Quado tee. It is a, uh, a hot item. And uh, you know what? If you buy one now, we'll throw in a print. As well, we got a couple of those left. Sickerongpodcast.com slash store. Uh, finally here, Sickerong Song of the Week was sent in from Rich. He goes, do you guys know what the queers are doing to the soil? You know what that's a reference to, Wackerly? Yeah. It's an obscure one. You recognize that reference? Yeah, of course. It is uh, from a song by the Dead Milkmen called right. Stuart. And which I haven't even thought of in a long time. However, I uh, looked at my email today and saw that the Dead Milkmen are touring right now. Do you ever see them? No. I sometimes get them confused with the Violent Femmes, which I have seen, but I haven't seen the Dead Milkmen. I like the Dead Milkmen better than the Violent Femmes. Even though the Violent <laughs> okay, Femmes... you win. I, don't, I didn't say I liked one better than the other. The Violent Femmes had that huge album that was ruined by college, but... The Dead Milkman had, uh, what was it, uh, Big Lizard in My Backyard and Beelzebubba. I can't remember any others. Are you just naming others. off the albums now? Yeah, there are two albums. They There's did one, have some albums, right? There's one with uh, Take and Recharge the Zoo. Remember that? Yeah. And Bitchy Camaro. And then there was the other one with like Punk Rock Girl and this song, Stuart, which is- I'm going to uh, beat my wife. You're going to beat my wife was on this album, Beelzebubba. Okay. But it's been a long time. But I, I was looking at us. Uh, so they're playing the Troubadour. Two shows. It's like 50 bucks to go see them. Fuck that. I know. It's like so punk rock, huh? Charger <laughs> fans, bucks. 50 bucks. But they were a good band. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I, I definitely enjoyed them in the 90s. So anyway, thank you, Rich, for sending that in. We're going to end the show here with uh, Stuart by the Dead Milkman. I'd like to thank Henry Hargreaves for being on the show. And uh, yeah, go people, go check out uh, his website, henryhargreaves.com. We'll be back next week with uh, episode 476. Till then, take it sleazy. You know what, Stuart? I like you. You're-
You're not like the other people here in the trailer park. Oh, don't, don't get me wrong. They're, they're fine people. They're good Americans. But they're content to sit back, maybe watch a little Morgan and Mindy on Channel 57. Maybe kick back a cool core 16-ouncer. They're good, fine people, Stuart. But they don't know what the queers are doing to the soil. You know that Johnny Worcester kid, the kid lures papers in the neighborhood? He's a fine kid. Some of the neighbors say he smokes crack, but I don't believe it. Anyway, for his 10th birthday, all he wanted was a burrow owl. Get bugging his old man. Dad, get me a burrow owl. I'll never ask for anything else as long as I live. So the guy breaks down and buys him a burrow owl. Anyway, 10.30 the other night, I go out in my yard, and there's the Worcester kid looking up the tree. I say, what are you looking for? So the one who runs burrow owl. I say, jumping Jesus on a promo stick. fucking evil. I mean, he's fucking gay, right? Sounds like it. Fucking almost. Yeah, I was wondering. You gotta be fucking gay to be from England, right? Uh, just let me know. I'm uh, pretty sure that just automatically qualifies him to, you know, to be sucking cocks 24-7. That's what they do over there in fucking England town or whatever the fuck that shithole's called. These fucking yellow teeth and fucking nasty armpits and shit. Fucking assholes over there. 